Um, my goodness, I am so thrown off. Um, at some point in this service, we're going to give. So you can tell, thankfully, I did not walk in here waiting, just ready to talk to you about your money because I forgot. And uh, so uh, I should have noticed when I saw the giving screen, there's a lot deal up there. If you came prepared to give, wow, Lord help us all. If you came prepared to give, this is the time that we do that. And uh, we always look at a piece of scripture. And Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And uh, that's why we can courageously give. That's why we can boldly follow God. It's because he is going to be the one to be able to take care of us. If you came prepared to give, this is where you do that. For those of you that use digital giving and online giving, we appreciate you doing that. And you're all going, I now know why it's taking so long to get the building going. <laughs> because we can't even do a church service in order. And so, uh, anyways, we're making progress with that. I should have new plans, another set of revisions in my inbox from our engineer tomorrow. I'll go and talk to the city. Hopefully everything will move forward. So, here we go. Start fresh. That every Christmas, every Christmas, then as Christ followers, if you're not a Christ follower here today, maybe you got drug here, maybe somebody just coerced you to come here, you're still on the fence of this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, and that's fine. You're in a great place, and, and there's not a lot of pressure. But uh, you can be here as long as you need to be able to engage and, and learn about who Jesus is and why he matters to us. But for those of us who have chosen, who've recognized that, that we all needed a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior and that he's invited us to come and to follow him, that as Christ followers, then we celebrate every Christmas the truth that God made a way where there was no way. We celebrate this. We, we, we think about it. We, we connect with it. Because there's nothing more frustrating than to feel like there's, you're stuck. There's nothing more frustrating to feel like that there is not a way. And one of the real frustrating places is to feel like there's not a way in. Has anybody ever been felt like you were out? I think all of us at some point in time have felt like we were, we were stuck out. We were on the outside, whether it was the outside of the, the peer group we wanted to be a part of, the outside of the right <clears throat> group of people to be able to, to move forward and, and pursue the things we wanted to do in life. There's not a, a feeling in the world that can, is the same as feeling stuck on the outside. You know, with a family our size, you know, We've got a lot of inside jokes. You know, you can do the whole thing where, where you can say one word and everybody kind of chuckles. And somebody who's new to the family or no, so new to hanging out with us is like looking around. And we don't mean to do that to people. We only try to do that when it's just us around and we enjoy it. And, uh, but inside jokes can very, very quickly become a tool to show who's in and who's out. They can very quickly become this thing where all of a sudden you are, it is obvious that you're not in. And that moment where you begin to recognize that you're on the outside, that is one of those most completely frustrating 
difficult things. I uh, had a, a little experience of this back my freshman year in uh, junior high school in Odessa. They didn't put, you weren't actually in high school, you were a freshman, but it was 7th, 8th, and 9th at good old Hood Junior High in Odessa, Texas. And they did this thing back then, I don't know if they still do it, but they'd get all of the ninth grade classes together, and a bunch of parents would have this, this, these events, these series of events called cotillion. Has anybody ever heard of cotillion? All right, a few poor souls have heard of cotillion. And so, yes. And so, um, cotillion was supposed to be designed to help you learn how to interact and become adults, okay? But you got a bunch of freshmen, okay? So you're already kind of against the, the learning curve there. So they get a big party thing together. We go out to the country club, and, and they do this nice thing, and there's themes for each one of these. And you paid so much money, and you're supposed to go to four cotillions. And, and in this process, they have different environments, and you learn how to be mannerly and all this stuff. Well, it really, it was just a big party. That was all it was. And the parents did all they could to keep everybody from beating each other up. You didn't learn anything. Well, the problem was is that you had the, the kids from Hood Junior High go into this very first one with the kids from Nimitz Junior High and the kids from Bonham Junior High. And so the, already you've got groups that are in and groups that are out, okay? And I was told that this first cotillion had a theme of that it was a country and western theme, that it was like a rodeo type theme. Well, all of the rodeo people lived on the other side and went to the other high school. And so, not all of them, but most of them. And so, I, didn't, I wasn't a cowboy. I didn't have the cowboy stuff. And I did not want to be the odd man out showing up at Cotillion. So, I went to my dad and said, Dad, I need to borrow some of your old you know, Western clothes, you know. Has anybody been around long enough to remember the urban cowboy days? All right. There was a big phase a long time ago. All you young kids have no idea. But at one point, hipsters wore Western boots and hats and all that. And you'd see all these people in New York and L.A., and they looked like they came from West Texas, except that it wasn't Wranglers. It was some jeans from Italy, and it was, it was, all, it was all a fashion statement. It was, it was nothing real about it, and, uh, but it was, a big, it was a big thing. So my dad had the, the big felt hat um, that was still up in his closet, and um, thankfully I took the old Mickey Gilly feather band off of it, and so in the big Mickey Gilly feather thing right there, I took that off. I was smart enough to pull that off, and so I took that off of the, the, the big, way too big not the right. Who knew there were styles of cowboy hats? Who knew that you could have a, a cowboy hat that was out of style? It's a cowboy hat. Who knew that you're, there's certain ways you do the brim and all that? I should have known. And um, so my dad wasn't a cowboy either, but he had some cowboy looking steel toe boots that had some big old fat non slip soles on them instead of the nice little uh, leather sole that goes on the bottom. So, man, I needed some boots. I wear my dad's, you know, boots that had the, uh, um, had the you know, the working boots, still toe boots. And my dad still had some of those shirts with the nice snap mother-of-pearl buttons. Thank goodness those, that has come back. I've got a number of shirts in my closet that I'll still wear periodically. I have 
newer. They have Mother Pearl buttons. But in 1988, Mother Pearl snap buttons were not cool. And so I borrowed one of these from my dad. So I've got that. I've got the whole thing. And, um, I, I mean, I look like a messed up Woody uh, <laughs> that, that comes to this party. Well, these, everybody that went to this party was all of the preppy kids. So what they had is they wore polo shirts and those old braided belts, you know, that would hang down way too long, and guest jeans with Justin Ropers. That was how they went cowboy, is they wore their Justin Ropers with everything else they wore every day. And um, there were no cell phones, and I didn't drive. And I got there, and there was no crowd outside. So my parents dropped me off. I'm dropped off. I go in, and I realize, oh, my goodness. This is going to be a long night. I'm the only one dressed like this. And uh, it was, I, it's country. I, I thought I looked country. And... Uh, and so, and then, of course, you know, then everybody's looking for somebody to beat up, and it's easy to find the guy to beat up. <laughs> like, who should we beat up? Hmm, the hat moving across the floor. Let's beat that guy up. And so um, I spent the uh, bulk of my evening um, trying, to, trying to stay out of fights and not get messed with and just dodging. It was absolutely miserable. And as soon as I walked in, the looks, the every, even people I went to school with, they just didn't want to be seen with me. It was like, oh, we don't know who you are. All of a sudden, my, my best, best friends would not go to this thing. So I went with it. You're, everybody has tiers of friends when you're in high school. You know, you got your close friends, and you got your next tier friends, and you got your next tier friends. You know what? Your first tier friends, they should stick with you no matter how stupid you look. But that third tier friends, they're going to leave you fast. And I was stuck. And there I was with a few hundred freshmen and never felt more out and alone in all my life. I was counting down the minutes to when my parents would pull up and be able to get me out of that environment. There was supposed to be four dances. I didn't go to the other three. There was no way I was going to dare. They were themed, too. I was going to ruin it. And... Um, and so it was just absolutely miserable. It's absolutely miserable to feel like you're stuck out. It's absolutely miserable. And when we catch up here with the Jesus story, when we look at his birth, and we're about to look at Mary and what was said to her, the entire people of Israel were at home. They were where they were supposed to be. They were where they were invited to be. God had given them that land. They had lived there for generations, but there was a Roman occupation. In a few short months, Mary's going to have to make a journey to another town, journey she doesn't want to make to go be counted so they can pay taxes. They don't want to pay taxes to, to, a, to a broken, messed up, depraved governmental system that hates them. They're living in the place where they're supposed to live and feel completely out. They don't have the freedoms. They don't have the different things that they're supposed to do. And they feel completely out. And here's where we catch up. 
The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is a really good greeting, people. Now, I get it. There's a, it's an angel. It's a little freaky. All of a sudden, an angel, boom. Almost every time, and we're going to see in just a minute, it says, don't be afraid. Angel shows up, and first thing out of my mouth, don't be afraid. Why? Because it's scary. It's, it's different. This didn't happen every day. What in the world's happening? But it says something really awesome to her. It says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled. Not that he showed up. Not at his gleaming whiteness or the fact that he's an angel. She's troubled at his words. And wonders what kind of greeting this might be. I'm, I'm favored. God's with me. Have you not looked around? I don't feel very favored and it doesn't look like God is with his people at all. There are Roman centurions on every corner that can force us to carry their load a mile. That's why when Jesus comes in later in his teaching and says, go another mile, it's because the Romans had the right to force anybody that they had conquered to carry their stuff a mile. And Jesus says, go the other one. Just do it, do it too. These people that oppressed them and conquered them, and that's what she sees day in and day out. She's going to the market. She's glancing over her shoulder and seeing that she lives in an occupied territory with a government that is unfriendly to them she's like god's he's with us i'm favored she was more troubled by what came out of the angel's mouth than she was even that the angel was there it says but the angel said to her do not be afraid mary you have found favor with god you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him jesus and he'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Woo! Now that, that was good news. That was good news to a little Jewish girl who had been grown up saying, One day, one day, one of the lineage of David is going to rise up. We call him Messiah, and he's going to get rid of these Roman occupiers, and we're going to have our own nation state again, and we're going to be able to serve God the way we want to serve God. One day that's going to come. Right now we're out in our own land, but one day we're going to be in again. One day we're going to have that, and she's sitting there looking for that, hungry for that. The entire group of nation of Israel is hungry for that, and here this angel comes and says, guess what? You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son, and he is going to have that throne of his father David. And his kingdom will never end. Her mindset all of a sudden begins to connect with moving from out to in. Every time we think about Jesus, people, we need to be thoughtful that he wants to take you in. He wants to take you in. That's why he came. So that we didn't have to be on the outside tapping at the glass of life anymore. 
so that we could be brought into the kingdom, the place where, where things are supposed to be <clears throat> in line with the way God has designed them to work. And as we look at the scriptures and we delve into this, we're going to see that Jesus is the way into the kingdom of God. Now this kingdom is not something that we, we don't use the word kingdom all the time. In fact, to us Americans, this people that love to vote and choose who, who makes laws and rules over us, this concept of kingdom gives us the willies. We don't like the concept of having a king who sits on a throne and what he says goes and there's no repercussions. The thing is, is that we weren't designed to have a man rule over us who's selfish and will use, eventually use his power for his own good. We were designed to have a king who would give himself for us, not see what he could get out of us. And this kingdom is where the, is the dominion, the domain, the area where the king rules. So it'd be like on this rug, we're inside the kingdom. And over here, you're now in another realm. You're outside the kingdom. In here, these rules apply. Out here, it's not the same. We understand this. We deal this with borders all the time. To go into Mexico means going out of the United States. We understand this. That's why we should be able to connect with John 10, 9. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. He will go in and out. You know, when you came, came into this building, you started out outside and you came in. You were inside the building. And then you came in again. You came into this theater. But you were still in. The one in did not negate the previous in. Then you looked around and you sat in your seat. That in did not all of a sudden put you out. And we're used to having all sorts of ends that I can go in to this and I can incorporate it into everything else. Jesus going in with him, it means going out of something. So many times we just want to add Jesus into our lives and think that somehow it doesn't push us out of anything else. We need to have an awareness that as he is taking us in, that also means he's carrying us out. There's some things that he's carrying us out of. There's some things that get put aside and put behind. And it's not based on us having to push it off. It's about us embracing his kingdom. Why? Because he's the king and that's his demand. And that's the way things go under his rule. He says, I'm the one, I am the door. First Timothy 2 says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Is it just a handful? Is it just a couple? So many times we can get off and, and think that there's just this tiny little segment of the population of creation that is going to be able to do everything just right and please this difficult to please God and be able to one day crack heaven's doors. But we see the heart of God expressed here that he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What is he wanting? 
us to understand and have an awareness of the magnitude of what Christ has done. That's the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Then Paul says again to the Corinthian church, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. As we are embracing him and stepping into the kingdom, there's some old ways, there's some old thoughts, there's some old habits, there's some old self-identity that gets left behind. Why? Because as we step over, From death into life, we become new creations, and we need to have an awareness that He's doing that in us, or we will miss it. We'll try to live in an old system when we're new creations this whole time. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. In Christ. Remember, He is the way into the kingdom. He's the door. In Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And but He has committed to us the message of the reconciliation. Now here's this really cool thing. That God has a kingdom. But guess what? So do you. So do you called you you have dominion of you you make your decisions we talk about all this the time Deuteronomy 30 19 I've set before you life and death blessing and curse and choose life so that you can live we're choosers that choosing is us choosing dominion for our kingdom and this chair this represents our throne in our kingdom. And normally, we like to sit in it. We like to be the one in command. We like to be the one at the helm. We like to be the one with the power. Flipping the stuff, getting rid of the stuff that bores us. Moving on to something interesting in life. We want this. But here's something amazing. Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus' words. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Now wait a second, Jesus. I thought you were the door. Are you knocking on yourself? This doesn't make any sense. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So there is Jesus on the outside. Adele was not the first person to say hello from the outside. I did not try to sing. Yes. It's Jesus who comes to you, to your kingdom, and knocks and wants to bring your kingdom into his kingdom. That's how the kingdom of God expands. 
As you give him your kingdom, knocks at your door, you're the only one that can open it. I'd like your kingdom to be brought into my kingdom. And then we can sit and we can eat and we can connect and we can be together. We can be in this relationship. Remember last week we talked about that it's been about relationship the whole time. That that's what's been on God's heart the whole time. So now quickly we're going to bring this home real quick. Because this doesn't, doesn't just apply to that first thing where we say yes to God and we step over from death to life. This applies to every one of those little chambers. Because guess what? You have a front door, but then you have a bedroom door. And you let God in your house and he's going to come and he's going to knock on there. Say, I want to be involved. I want to be involved there. I want to be involved in your bedroom. I want to be involved in your kitchen. I want to be involved in this little family table here in your dining room. I want to be involved in that. No, 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 no. I want to be invited into each area of your life. And here is the beautiful simplicity of it all, that Jesus entered this world as a child, and we enter his kingdom the same way as a child. To me, that is one of the most beautiful things of this holiday season. Is that we come back to baby Jesus. That God entered into our story as a child. Could he have stepped onto the scene fully mature? Sure, he's God. But he did not. He chose and he chose it from the very beginning to do it this way. Let's go ahead and look at Luke 2.8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. They had that terrified moment. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. These are some good Jewish shepherds. They're in the same mentality that Mary has been. We feel out where we live. We're on the outside. And so as the angels of the Lord show up and this first sentence comes out of their mouth, you don't have to be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. They're thinking, yes! Messiah and his army are on the other side of the hill and they're coming! We're about to see a battle royal and the Roman army's going down. That's exactly what their brains are processing. They are so ready for this. And then they keep talking. It says, today in the town of David. Man, that clicks. Ooh. David was our best king. Yes, yes. A Savior, still flowing, has been born. He's been born. It's good news is about a baby. And he is Messiah, the Lord. See, these guys needed a sign. These guys needed something that would confirm to them 
that God was doing things different than the way they thought it was going to go down. And the very next thing the angel says is, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom God's favor rests. Messiah has come and he's a baby and this is going to be the sign that you're going to go and find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Remember last week we talked about Luke being written to a non-Jewish audience. So what the Old Testament has to say about that doesn't mean anything to them. But everybody connects that that's got to be some kind of a sign because who puts a brand new baby, a newborn, in a feed trough. Nobody does that. The odds of somebody doing that, that doesn't make any sense. And sure enough, they go. And they find, and it's just as the angels have said. Matthew, however, writes to Jewish readers and reminds them of what their prophets had said. Matthew 1, <clears throat> 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and, birth, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. All of this stuff was improbable. All this stuff didn't make sense, and it took, this prophetic, it pr- took these prophetic warnings and signs and things to look for. It took this, these crazy signs of sticking a baby in a feed trough. What? We didn't think it was going to go down this way. We thought God's kingdom was going to be something different than this. We look at Matthew 18, and Jesus shows us just how different it really is. He says, and he called a little child to him, and he placed a little child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now he's talking to people who think they know how to enter the kingdom of heaven. You do all the sacrifices just right. You keep all the rules just right. You step this way. You march this way. You pay this offering. You do all this stuff and you enter the kingdom of heaven. And he lay, in another place he says, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the Pharisees, which were the people who did that the best, he said, you're not going to enter. So how do you enter? How do you enter? See, Christmas should be a reminder. It should be a reminder that it's all about childlike faith. Even those who are outside of the Christian faith embrace this and we do the whole Santa and the reindeer and all this stuff and you got Buddy the Elf and it's all about Christmas spirit and you need the little kids to believe again. And somehow there is this thing at this season that innocent childlike faith is the key. Shouldn't surprise us as believers. We complicate it and we try to make it about so many other things and it's just simply believing. So here we are. We're back to our throne in our kingdom. And Jesus is the way in. And he knocks at our door and wants us to come in. So what do we do? We do just like a little four-year-old would do. 
if we came and knocked and come in and we stepped into their little playhouse, stepped into their little dominion, and they come and they open up their little door, and what are they going to say? Here, you can have my seat. So simple. How do we step into it? We just give him our seat. That place where we want to sit in control, we want to be on the throne. We give him our seat. We give him our seat every time he knocks on a door. Just like when you placed your faith in Christ for the first time and you recognized you needed a Savior and say, God, this, I feel so out. And I recognize and I hear your spirit. I recognize you calling me and I believe that what you did counts for me. And you simply gave your hope for the future and you put him on that throne. Well, then, as you mature in Christ, he's going to come and he knocks. He says, guess what? I want the whole thing. I'm knocking on this door now. I'm knocking on that door to your office where you reconcile your checkbook and you do all that. I want to be involved there. I'm knocking on the door there to your dining room. I want to be involved in your family. And every time we just say, the throne's still yours. My seat is still your seat. See, what I want us to walk away with today as we look at all the childlike wonder and we see all of the amazing things and engage. I tell you what, celebrating Christmas with little ones is so fun because you re-engage on this level. And the bottom line today is that childlike faith is the key into Christ-like maturity. We stepped into this kingdom through, through Jesus with childlike faith. And we just keep pursuing him the same way. Just keep saying, you can have my seat. This Christmas season, let's be purposeful. Let's be conscious and celebrate that Jesus is the way. I want to create a quiet moment right here. And if today, if you're on the outside and you feel on the outside of the kingdom, you're like, Brandon, I always thought that this whole Christian thing was about something else. I always thought it was about stopping all of these other things and, and working harder. And I recognize that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And he says, well, you just believe that what I did is enough, that I'm enough. Will you let me come into your kingdom and bring your kingdom into my kingdom? Will you let me do that? And you're ready to say, you can have my seat. I trust you. If that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hand and we want to pray with you. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I want to lend you some words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. And meeting me right where I am. I thank you that you love me. And you don't leave me there. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. That his sacrifice covers all my sin. Today I am your child. And you are my father. 
I give you my seat. You're the one in control. I choose to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, yes. Let's just stand up. We're going to get out of here. I appreciate y'all giving me a few more minutes today. We squeezed in some extra things, so thank y'all for a few more minutes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your power, your love at work in our lives, Lord. And as we move through this week, Lord, I just pray that every child's smile, Heavenly Father, would remind us, Lord, of how we connect with you. Just simply loving and trusting you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that everything that points us to the simplicity and the power of childlike faith, Heavenly Father, where it's, Lord, wherever we find it, Heavenly Father, we would be reminded that you've told us that if we'll simply trust you, Heavenly Father, like a child, Heavenly Father, that's where we step into doing things your way and living in your kingdom, Heavenly Father. Lord, I just pray blessings over each person who's here today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, we go out of here with an awareness. Lord, that we get to live in the greatest gift ever, and that's life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Ladies, y'all have a good time tonight at the ladies' Christmas party. Yeah.